0: 11 dubcast i'm johnny he is chase let's get right into it there's a lot going on you know basketball is something that's obviously going to dominate our discussion today but i'm really excited and kind of anxious to talk about the michigan stuff which you know during football season i'm kind of the guy who you know we rely upon to give the the michigan update which is mm-hmm. kind of a misnomer because i'm stupid and i really just you know like just because i write threat level doesn't mean i'm in any way tapped into what's happening with the Michigan football program. I kind of get a vibe, and I go on that vibe, but I'm not exactly a genius. Before we get into all of this, how are you doing, Chase Brown? How's life in the Chase Brown household? I'm doing well.
1: Um, You know, football season's over now, so the beast that is uh, long work weeks and working consistently on the weekends is kind of beyond us. So happy to kind of get into a little bit more of a normal uh, as normal as it can be as a sports writer, nine to five, Monday to Friday routine a little bit. So yeah, things have been going well Been resting up a little bit and enjoying the downtime while I can.
0: That's good. And then hopefully we can get into NFL draft uh, prep and then your life can just turn back into a living hell again. And that'll be great. <laughs> so I'm excited for that. Yeah. And and we will definitely, we will definitely break down all the NFL draft stuff because there's going to be a lot of drama surrounding that I am sure. Mm-hmm. But For right now, let's talk about Ohio State men's basketball. You had a five game losing streak where they just look like trash, like absolute trash. I have no idea what this team is going to do, how they're going to overcome this. Um, They, you know, the biggest thing really here in watching that streak was not so much that I was, uh, I guess, shocked or like furious or any of that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, because you save those emotions for when um you are befuddled or or don't expect something to happen right i was kind of just numb <laughs> and yeah. and that's really that's actually the worst possible reaction i think that you know as a any kind of sports program that your fans can have because that just signals apathy on their part and you know i would be really angry and upset if i thought that this team was not going to have an inevitable slump in the middle of the season and yet that's exactly what they did Um, Now you come back, you win this game against Iowa. That's great. You look, you know, huge offensive performance. Uh, Ice likely comes out, scores a billion points. Had really been giving you, you know, nothing uh, for a while, which, you know, that's, it's good to see uh, that kind of turn around a little bit. Um, But I don't know, man, despite the streak being broken, okay. How do you feel chase about where this basketball team is right now? And particularly going into a stretch of the big 10 where they could do some good things, maybe get back on track or lose every single game.
1: Yeah. Um, I would honestly say my assessment was very similar to yours. I had just kind of grown a, a general apathy to anything that Ohio state basketball was doing. um, mostly because I knew how talented this team could be. You know, this team on paper, the talent that they have should produce wins. Uh, And I kind of grew tired of watching the same game over and over and over again during that five-game skid. It just felt like Ohio State would come out, start slow, look sluggish offensively. They've never really been... It's surprisingly under Holtman, who came in with this defensive reputation from Butler, had never really been known as a defensive program mm-hmm. uh, under in his tenure. But the offense just sluggish and slow, and you know and by halftime that both teams are in the twenties, and <laughs> right, you don't yeah, even right. want to watch the game anymore. And yeah, and that's kind of how I felt, and and, and it was. In the midst of that skid, I could just feel myself not getting angry with this team, but just kind of being indifferent, like right. whether they won or they lost. I I wasn't really overjoyous. You know, I wasn't excited if they won. I wasn't down in the dumps if they lost. It just they weren't giving me anything to be emotional about. Mm-hmm. Um, so having their victory over Iowa on Saturday, one that was really dominant, honestly, you just got to see, you know. What this team is like at its at its best um with bryce sends scoring a career high 27 mm-hmm. ice likely scores 18 adds 10 boards 7 assists like which is like know. more
0: points combined than i think he had in the past like eight or ten yeah Something yeah
1: you see these guys they're they're performing they look like they're having fun too um there's that one sequence with uh, where Felix Akpara gets a block where Sean McNeil pulls up like he's at the R pack from half court, <laughs> nails it. You know, it's just it's things yeah. like that. We're like, okay, this team looks like they're having fun. It looks like there's some energy. They're playing to their potential. So I was excited to see that. And I, I have some some optimism going forward that yeah. they can enter this stretch with a little bit of momentum heading in their direction.
0: All right. So yes. And no, I mean the thing is, yeah. I still feel, it still feels kind of like there's some weird vibes around the team. And part of that, I guess, is just assuming um, not being a starter, right, against Iowa. And I know there's, I don't know. It, to me, yes, the Iowa game, they were very dominant. You get a, a, you know, just an all-world performance from Ice Likely, who not just the fact that he scored 18 points, but the rebound, 10 rebounds, seven assists. I mean, the dude was all over the place. That's a big-time performance on his part. Um, But it almost feels like none of that was a result of, I don't know, Holtman or whoever specifically changing something and, like, fixing anything, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Because, for instance, like, having, you know, Bryce Hensibald not start, right, and just, quote-unquote, send a message, or having just assuming not start, this feels like kind of just pulling whatever levers are in front of you and kind of hoping something happens. And, you know, the thing is, and I always go back to the schedule because you look at it and you're like, there's no easy outs here, right? the the, Literally the easiest team that you have remaining on your schedule is at Michigan. And if that's the case, you've got problems (laughs) for a team that lost five in a row. And in that five game losing streak when Ohio state one of the best offensive teams in the country only managed more than 70 points once during that streak. So to me, it almost feels like that's who they've become rather than Iowa being a return back to normalcy. Mm-hmm. And again, you're, we're going to find out, right? You've got games, three of the next four are on the road. You're playing Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, Nat, Michigan. That's, going to be a test that's going to be a real test if they have righted the ship you will find out in the next two games i I think that's that's pretty much it at illinois at indiana if they i'm not even saying they have to win both of them um but if they don't win at least one and then kind of replicate some kind of positive offensive performance and like you said not come out looking sluggish i gotta i gotta say man i still think the last half of the schedule this last part of the schedule here is going to be really really rough for them
1: Yeah, um, I I made a joke about that, the the lack of scoring more than 70 points in my school session earlier uh, last week about, you know, Ohio State wasn't even playing well enough that if every game were at the Schottenstein Center, that fans would leave with free McDonald's fries (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, let alone a Big Mac, you know? Yeah. I felt like that was a guarantee when I was growing up going to games that, for me personally, I always wanted them to finish in that seventy to seventy-nine point range because mm-hmm. I wanted the fries more than I wanted the Big Mac.
0: Of course, yeah. uh,
1: I don't know where I would stand on that today. I haven't eaten McDonald's in feels like forever. Um, but yeah, I just I, I laughed about that because I was like, this team isn't even scoring enough points where fans would get free fries. Like that's it's it was a very poor stretch of offensive play um, for Ohio State's just obviously all around really you know bryce sensible looked like he was struggling at times suing as you mentioned had been a shell of himself um and then zed keys injury him bouncing back um trying to find himself after hurting his soul shoulder against purdue um and i will dive into a little bit of his new injury that he's got going on but you know it just seemed like this team struggled to really find any offensive production from its top players its top scorers and um, that just kind of led to this flurry of losses so i do agree that when we when we look at them diving into this more difficult stretch of their schedule i do also still have some questions about where the offensive production will come from especially if Sensabaugh and suing and key should he return soon uh, are not on the top of their game you know who are are you going to get points from mcneil are you going to get points from uh, a Roddy Gale type who are you going right. to look to to get you points uh, I think is ice like,
0: yeah is ice gonna come out and, and give you 15 a night? like I don't think so right but, you know you may have to rely on that if you can't get you know consistent points from other places right and this, that's um, kind of the
1: question we've always asked about Holtman's teams isn't it like beyond yeah. the top two scorers you look like last year with Liddell and Branham was suing out at the, the question every game was who's going to be your third scorer? right? You need a third scorer." Um, and the year before that with Liddell and Dwayne Washington, Jr, mm-hmm. you know, stewing, suing was there, but also was still trying to find his identity. Um, but then again, that's the team that makes it all the way into the tournament as a number two seed. Unfortunately, loses to Oral Roberts. We don't need to talk about that game at all. But you know, that's the last team that had three consistent scorers for Holtman, uh, and and they're a number two seed in the tournament. And would you know? Hopefully, you'd like to think they make a deep run in that tournament this year. They're still looking for that third scorer. So if they really have any aspirations for a deep postseason run, they need to find that quickly.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And you know, the thing was that I I know. You know, Holman said that his uh, his knee has responded well to some of the treatment, which I have no... That makes no sense. I, that's a nothing <laughs> statement. And and I do appreciate that he said he had no real update and the pre- proceeded to give uh, Ohio State fans no real update. Um, also goes on to say, continues to be a day-to-day situation that we're monitoring. We'll know more here in a little bit, should know more by game time, which, in my opinion, means he's not playing against, um, against Illinois. By the you right. know... And, so I, I don't see that happening. But you know, who knows? Zed Zed might come back. I love Zed. Would love for him to be healthy and active and all that. But uh this is this feels like one that he's gonna have to sit out, which is rough. So I don't know, man. Going forward, Ohio State has been seen as kind of this bubble team at this point, and which is hilarious because, you know, they prior to this five game losing streak, people were talking about potentially, you know, the best team of the Big Ten. And now mm-hmm. we're and talking about a team that's on the cusp of hopefully getting to the NCAA tournament. How do you think it shakes out? By the end of the season, you know, and there's a lot of seasons still to go, but by the end of the season, where do you think they are? Uh, RE March Madness. Are they on the outside looking in or are they they dancing? I think that this team has the roster makeup
1: and the talent, and I, I'm a little bit more of an apologetic to Chris Holtman than most Um, I do think that he's a good coach. I just think that there are times, you know, as you mentioned earlier, that this team's good for a slump. This team's good for a drought somewhere in the middle of the season, whether it's January or February, but ultimately I do think that he is a good coach. And I think that he can get the most out of this team. It is just still trying to find its identity offensively. Um, and and I think that really you have to Find the best way that you can to pick up the pieces defensively, um, especially if because your number one scorer is Bryce Sentinel, a person that does not like to play defense. Uh, just as suing is, you're going to be your number two scorer. He also does not like to play defense. And then your third scorer is at Key is an undersized big man who can't play defense against the best big men of the Big Ten. So really, you just have so many disadvantages defensively. Uh, I think you need to find offense first because you need to be able to hang if your defense is going to be giving up so many points. But then also you get, you have to have some sort of defensive identity in the Big Ten. And I think that if you're able to form some sort of semblance of identity on both sides of the ball, that I feel good about Ohio State's chances to, to at least make the tournament. Now, what they do there, I don't know. But I do think that they have a good chance to at least be one of the last four teams that make it in. Um, and I give them probably too much credit for how they performed to this point and how they may perform the rest of the way. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. Let's see how they do it in this stretch. If they perform miserably, then I will jump ship and yeah. claim, you know, that I was wrong. So I just think right now I kind of have a little bit more optimism than most probably do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I'm completely sold on Chris Holtman being a very good coach at this point. And look, this is a three and five big 10 team, right? This is a team that basically had to go to overtime against Rutgers just to get to 64 points lost to Nebraska, 60 to 63. I forget how much you said, like, I think they had like 22 at halftime or something like that. Yeah. They had 22 at halftime against Nebraska. Um that doesn't just happen. Like I, I, you know, there are times when okay, everybody goes cold, and that's a crazy thing. But to me, that seems like more of kind of a regression than a a fluky performance. To me, the fluky performance is the ninety three at Iowa or against Iowa. Um, I I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence in this team. In part because I don't see them developing that defensive identity at all. I, I just I don't see you know at this point in the season, right? You're you're almost 20 games into this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't developed a a defensive identity by now, I I don't know. I don't feel very confident that that's something that's going to happen um, anytime soon. So I don't know, man. Maybe they make the tournament and they they kind of sneak in there at the end. But this just to me seems like a team that's still floundering in a lot of ways. Without the presence of Zed, I think that really hurts them. I, you know, again, he is an undersized big man, but he he plays hard. He, he's a right. guy who'll go in there and fight and do the things that the rest of the team isn't really willing to do. And I don't see somebody else really stepping up in that role. So to me, I, I think they've got problems, um, which is unfortunate because this is an incredibly talented team offensively. But um, yeah, I just I don't know. I think a lot of the issues that have led to that five game losing streak have not necessarily been fixed and i don't know they've they've got a tough big 10 slate to navigate going forward so we'll see what happens but you know there's other basketball going on as well believe it or not ohio state does have a women's basketball team about the as of this recording about to start the well they're into the third quarter of the game uh didn't have a great second quarter they're down uh what i think by six at this point mm-hmm. seven Against Iowa, uh, but number two Ohio State Buckeyes out there undefeated, playing the number ten Iowa Hawkeyes. Big time seats being filled up there in the shot. Not not a sellout as they might claim, but still quite a big turnout for women's basketball and Ohio State Buckeyes. How are you feeling about the Lady Bucks out there? I think I think it's pretty awesome that they're doing so well, and uh, especially given that you know a lot of people might say that this is a team that was kind of a flash of the pan for a few years, but this seems like a program with staying power at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, I just read a piece today from a wonderful reporter named Brian Hamilton of the athletic. Um, I'll have a, have a rundown of what he had to say about the women's basketball team in the Tuesday school session. Mm. Um, he kind of talked about where this team was a few years ago and the decision that Kevin McGuff had to make and sort of changing the formula for its success. Um, mm-hmm. he talked about the 2017 2018 season where Ohio state won 28 games, won a big 10 championship, but got bounced in the NCAA tournament by an 11th seed uh, of central Michigan. I believe it was, um, you know, you kind of look yourself in the mirror. You're like, we just won 28 games and we lose. We're upset by an 11 seed at the NCAA tournament. So there's there's obviously a disconnect there. Um, and what McGuff did, um, and Hamilton writes this in his article and explains it in a much better way than I could, but basically McGuff has made the decision to maybe sacrifice talent a little bit for the sake of team chemistry, um, to get players that are willing to lay down their personal agendas uh, and pick up, you know, for the sake of the team, a mindset and a focus to be team players, to really you know not care about individual success for the sake of team collective success. And that's become the culture of Ohio state. And I think, as you said, this is a culture that will stay mm-hmm. um, for years to come because you have players that yes, they might not be the same players that South Carolina or Stanford or UConn get, but they're players that work well together and they're players that are bought in to something that is bigger than themselves and I think that will go a long way in the years to come I know right now they're 19 to know this season um, there's no reason to believe that maybe they don't have this crazy as a start in the years to come but that they're going to be a team that's well above 500 contending for a Big Ten championship and making deep runs in the NCAA tournament for for a long time
0: Yeah, you know what? I mean, even if this game that they're playing right now doesn't turn out, it's still a pretty remarkable start on their part. Uh, Kevin McGuff out of Hamilton, Ohio. I think one of the things people may not know about this dude, he was at Xavier for a long time, um, built a really consistent winner there. I mean, winning 25, 30 games pretty consistently towards the end of his tenure at Xavier. Comes to Ohio State, obviously doing really well. It's kind of interesting, though, because, you know, they had all that talent as a team that, again, got bounced early. They had a poor year the following year, 2018, 2019 below 500 2020 comes around COVID hits. Obviously there's no NCAA tournament. Then next year they have a self-imposed ban on the postseason. Then last season they get to the sweet 16. So it's been like, it's, it's been like kind of a lot of unrealized potential and, Mm -hmm. You know, kind of based on what you said, I mean, they had time to kind of reevaluate what they were going to do and change their approach a little bit. And now you're seeing a team, I think that's still, again, even if they they drop this one against Iowa, still a team that is really set up well for the future. I, you know, it's interesting because you see these coaches that have all the success, both in men's and women's basketball during the regular season and ultimately all that anybody really cares about is how you perform in March. You can win all these games from, you know, November to, to, you know, early March, whatever. But if you don't perform well in these tournaments, I think that kind of changes the perception a lot. And you see that with Holtman and you see that across the board. Um, but I'm curious to see what happens with this. And, you know, a lot of people, sometimes we look over the non-rev sports and we, we don't get super excited about it, but look, high state men's and women's swimming and diving. Doing pretty good. They they got their first ever victory in Ann Arbor. That's cool, uh, especially given the fact that you know Michigan swimming. A lot of people may not know this. They they get a lot of like Olympic guys. They they're they're really kind of a, a magnet for some of that stuff. So to beat Michigan is a big deal at Michigan. Ohio State men's wrestling number seven. The Wrestle Bucks are doing great. Sammy Sasso's uh, doing some fun things out there. Um, there's a lot. Even if you're frustrated by Ohio State men's basketball i do really recommend that people check that out um coming out there and just beating the absolute tar out of uh maryland as they did a few days ago uh men's wrestling did that's that's pretty cool to see so there's a lot going on and um you know i'm glad that people all going back to women's basketball i'm really glad that uh people are coming out and and you know showing the love and showing the support because it's, it's fun to watch that. It's fun to see those guys get attention and you know, the the credit and publicity that they deserve.
1: Yeah. That was um, something that Dan hope and I had talked a lot about was just wanting to provide a platform for those sports. Um, yeah. I know Kevin did a really good job of that um, previously with around the oval. Um, so oh, she plug, yeah. That's back um, now that the football season's over and, as I said, at the start of the podcast, I'm not running around like a chicken with its head cut off. I have a little <laughs> bit more time to relax and focus on what's going on around the school. Um, yeah, just keep in mind, there's 36 programs at Ohio State, that, and they are all expected to compete at the highest level possible, um, the highest level of their respective sports. And in Ohio State they do an excellent job at making sure that that's possible. um, and that happens with each of the programs. So it's cool to see that, you know, each of them are succeeding and each of them are able to have a platform when they do, um, with, especially with this women's basketball team being so successful at the start of their season to see the support that they're getting. I hope the same can be uh, true of the swim and dive programs of wrestling. Um, Men's tennis, women's tennis are both having great starts to their season. Men's and women's hockey. I mean, we're talking about the women's hockey team as the number one team in the country.
0: Oh, yeah. We were talking about that last week. Absolutely. They're, yeah. I mean, they're they're killing it. And then, you know, national champions, right? Like, yeah. that's, that's a big freaking deal. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. You're coming off a year where they win the national championship and are now the number one team in the country with 22 wins. Um, I believe they have eight games until the postseason begins. Um, a matchup with Wisconsin, I believe, in those eight games. So that should be a good matchup for them to kind of set the tone for heading into the championships. But, yeah, just a great all-around year for Ohio State sports. It has been – it was in the fall. It has been so far in the winter. Um, and I would expect the same in the spring. So it's been, it's been cool to see that yeah, they've been – all these different programs have been so successful.
0: Yeah, that's, it's, it's fun to watch. And like I said, if you get down by watching the men's basketball team, you're like, there's a lot to lift you up. So I would check that out. Let's do this real quick. This is our favorite part of the show. This is the Bet Jack Parlay. We're going to tell you all about uh, the various, you know, amazing things that you can do and bet on. Because now that it is, in fact, January, uh, I know that if you live in the great state of Ohio, you have been uh, inundated with uh, betting ads. And things like <laughs> that. Well, guess what? We've got something here uh, that we like to do called the bet jack parlay on the uh, 11 dubcast. And it's the uh, it's the only, uh, you know, betting area, betting, betting website uh, by Ohio State sports fans for Ohio State sports fans. we got some betting lines that we're going to go through. We're going to give you our takes on it and, and let you know what we think. Let's start off here, Chase. Uh, we've got some NFL action coming up. We've got the, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the AFC and AFC championships. I'm getting to that. And then we'll do a little bit of Ohio state basketball. I'm a Bengals fan. I'm still like, I think I tweeted about this or something, but basically Bengals fans watching the Bengals actually win playoff games is like a teenager getting, Photos taken of them—they don't know what to do with their hands. You know, you're just—you're you're <laughs> super weirded out by the situation, and you don't want people looking at you because you know you're going to look stupid and you're going to do something or say something stupid. Uh, they looked incredible against the Bills. They—I mean—that game was basically over from the jump. Joe Burrow was on point. Their defensive line was annihilating the Bills' offensive line. All the backups on the Bengals offensive line looked fantastic, particularly in pass protection. Uh, and and frankly, run blocking. I mean, that Joe Mixon was, was eating the entire game. Yep. Um, they look really good. They look really, really good coming off of that Bills win. Right now, at Kansas City Chiefs, they are a one point favorite at Kansas City. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, you know what that tells me? Certified degenerate gambler now the <laughs> <laughs> uh, three weeks into January, since it became legal, um, that tells me that Vegas thinks the Bengals are two point or two points better than the Chiefs. Right, right, because, because you got
0: home advantage, right? So, yeah, if you have that home field advantage. That
1: tells me that the Chiefs get that three points for a home field advantage, but then, or excuse me, the Bengals are favored by one point. So yep. the Chiefs are getting the benefit of that home field advantage. Right, exactly. So exactly. we're talking that the Vegas thinks the Bengals are at least three points, pushing four points better than the Chiefs in the minds of those sharps out in Vegas. Now, do you so
0: think that's a result of the Mahomes injury deal? It could be. I
1: I do think that definitely plays a factor. Okay. Um,
0: I also I mean, he'll still think, play. I I still have. I'm I'm still pretty confident. Right. Right. right there, but.
1: I would agree. I I think that honestly the Bengals are just playing with such a a style of football that can beat anybody which is amazing given their offensive line being so diminished at this point in the season like I would have thought that the Bills would have been able to create and generate more pressure against Joe Burrow seeing that three of the Bengals offensive linemen were out of the game Mm -hmm. um you know including Lyle Collins their lockdown left tackle but yeah, I think that the Bengals are playing a style of football that hangs with anybody, and when you have Joe Burrow as your quarterback, it's amazing that we're saying this, knowing you know what he was here as a quarterback at Ohio State. We just never really got to see him reach that full potential here as a Buckeye, but it's a whole lot of fun to see him with the moxie and the swagger that he has, just so, so confident within himself, and having yeah. the weapons that he does with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Um, and, and as you said, Joe Mixon was running people over, was blasting through the offensive line against the Bills over the weekend. I, I just love that offense. I think that that defense is also it's it's just
0: reaching its full form, you know, in the best
1: possible time. And so I, I do like. I would take the Bengals in this game. I feel confident in that pick.
0: I think. I think on paper, I would go with the Bengals, especially. I mean, their secondary looks really good. They, it does. They have figured out guys. I mean. Yeah. Taylor Britt, I mean, a dude who is a rookie, right? Taylor Britt, Quinn, Taylor Britt. You know, he has that interception towards the end of the game. Um, They're very good at putting guys in positions to make plays in the defensive secondary, which I feel good about, you know, you're playing a guy like Mahomes, who, if he's a little limited, and Mm -hmm. again, he's an incredible pocket passer. But this, I think, actually plays into the Bengals' defensive scheme a little bit. I mean, at... Kansas city does give me pause as does the fact that, you know, this is a team in Kansas city that I think has lost like three in a row basically to, to Cincinnati and in, in high stakes games. So they're definitely, you know, have a huge chip on their shoulder. They want to prove something. This is tough for me because first of all, as a Bengals fan, I have to get over this ingrained, like, you know, they're going to lose every game mentality and I'm shocked when they win anything. Mm. Um, but on paper, like I, I I agree with Vegas here that this is you know this is a team that rightly would be a short, a small favorite. Um, I don't know, man. I just still think there's some weird mojo here, and I think maybe Kansas City pulls it off. But no, you can't. No, no, I can't. Because <laughs> because I'm a because I'm a 37-year-old man and grew up in the 90s and I saw the Bengals look like trash my entire life. And right. it's it, it's just you can't overcome that. And I, and I'll be honest, man, like at some point the magic wears off. And uh, you know, Kansas City's really good too. Like let's let's be real. This is a they're an excellent football team. They have one right. of the best quarterbacks in the in the NFL. I, I just think they pull it off. If this if this were at Cincinnati, I would feel probably a little bit differently about it because they have to go on the road again. Um Yeah, I I just think Kansas City uh, ends up pulling it out. But if the Bengals won, I would not be at all shocked. So next one here, San Francisco playing great defense, looking really good in that aspect, not so great on offense, uh, is playing the Eagles. And right now the Eagles looks like they look like the best of the four remaining teams, in my opinion. And That's a pretty high bar given how well the Bengals have played. Uh, Right now the Eagles at home, two and a half point favorites, but I actually think is a little bit low. Um, Because yeah. honestly, man, like I would, I I'm taking them here by like over a touchdown. I think they look really good right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, at some point, this Brock Purdy magic has to run out, right?
0: Yeah. Like I yeah. know that the, I mean, the
1: Eagles honestly are the biggest benefactor of that. Maybe in NFL history with Nick Foles a few years ago, mm-hmm. so they know the magic that can happen when you have a backup quarterback that nobody expects to be successful that carries you to a Super Bowl and sure. wins it. But I just feel like, you know, they have to. This game's in Philly, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, so this game's in Philly. They have to go on the road. Uh, honestly, you know, you know that the Eagles are going to bring out Meek Mill and he's going to wrap, you know, dreams <laughs> and nightmares, and they're going to get the crowd into it. And yeah, you know, they're just playing at a different level, similar to how I mentioned with the with the Bengals. I just think they're they're coming to their fullest form uh, at the best possible time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much we should really, you know, weigh into how well they played against the Giants. It's it's really hard because the Giants dominated the Vikings, and then the Eagles come out and dominate the Giants. So right. you're like, how good are the Eagles? Really, you'd like to look at the scores and be like, they're the best team. That, you know, they have all everything in front of them to go win the Super Bowl. I think that's that can be true, but also kind of have to temper my expectations a little bit because of who they played and because they beat down the Giants so badly. Mm-hmm. But I also just think that they're they're so talented. And they they really have been playing as one of, if not the best teams in the NFL this year. So I agree with you. I'd, I'd take them
0: big. And it's interesting, too, because a lot of it... <sighs> I want, you know, again, I I think they're right now they're playing at a super high level, but Jalen hurts, for example, this is a guy who's kind of been up and down in the past, you know, four or five games. right? Right. I mean, in a sense that can rack up a ton of yards, but also a couple stupid turnovers, or, you know, maybe doesn't have so many yards, but makes really critical throws. And so in a situation like this, you know, a young guy like him, it's, I really do think that. Um, I mean, I think Philadelphia is going to win regardless, but how it turns out is going to kind of hinge on how well he plays. Um, because I, I I think that, I don't know, it's just an interesting situation given what we've kind of seen from him in the past, like I said, four or five games here where it really, he really has run hot or cold. Um, so I don't know. It'll be an interesting game. Probably more so than maybe some people might think, because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also, I mean, quarterback play in in both of these games is just going to be absolutely paramount. It always mm-hmm. is. But in this in this particular situation, I think in both games, whichever quarterback plays better is going to be the team that wins that game. Um, and right. I, I think it's going to have an enormous impact because right now at this point, that all of these teams are going to rely heavily on, uh, you know, quarterback play to, to get them across the line and, and maybe, and, and with the Bengals, I mean, I think one thing maybe that you could say that gives them advantage is that that doesn't necessarily hold true for them as much as some of these other teams, because of how well, you know, like Joe Mixon is playing and, and the offensive line can run blocks. So that'll be interesting. Um, all right. So last one here, this is Ohio state and Illinois, Illinois is a, you know, three and a half point favorite at home in the basketball game here. Uh, and I guess, you know, by the time this publishes, so in a few hours after this publishes, how are you feeling about that one? Where how do you feel that one going?
1: I feel like because of what I said earlier, I, I have been giving the Ohio State men's basketball team a lot of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I, I also can say this though, this I can use this as my crutch. I won't pick them to win outright, but because of how close all of their games have been recently, save for mm-hmm. the Iowa game. I mean, each of their five losses went down to the wire, which made them, which is what made them so painful to watch uh, because neither team wanted to just go out and win it. I think that this game could have a very similar script to the ones where Iowa State played in those five losses. And if they lose, they're going to lose by one or two or three and cover that spread, uh, or if they win. They cover it anyway so mm-hmm. i'll say that ohio state covers there's either going to be a very painful boring game that ends with illinois winning by one or two or three or ohio state wins outright so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say that happens
0: okay that's uh i think that's a fair take the thing about illinois this is what i find really interesting so it's almost like in terms of um you know offense and defense Ohio State and Illinois are kind of mirror images of each other. So Ohio State's off- offensive rating is like 20th in the in the country out of 363 mm-hmm. teams. Uh, defensive rating like 107th. Illinois 102nd offensive rating, 21st defensive rating. So this is really like good on good when it comes to this. And yeah. if you want proof that Ohio State has fixed its offense OK, well, then some first inkling will come against a pretty good defensive team in the fighting Illini. Um, I don't think they fixed it. I don't think it's gotten that much better. So on the road against Illinois, give me Illinois on this. I agree that it'll probably be a fairly close game, uh, but I I think Illinois takes this. Uh, it's a good line. It's a really good line. It is. It's an excellent line and again. they're they're great at setting it, right? Because <laughs> You know what I mean? Like Vegas always yeah. wins. It, that's right. That's exactly right. So that's the bet, Jack Parlay. Thanks for, uh, you know, following along with us. And, and hopefully, you know what, I haven't been keeping track of how accurate my predictions have been. And there's probably a reason for that. But if you agree or disagree, feel free to follow along and, and you know, we'll keep we'll keep trucking with our picks. Uh, so that's one of our favorite segments. Our next uh, segment that we enjoy so very much is, of course, Ask Us Anything, which you can do by sending us questions uh, to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And I want to remind you that you can ask us literally anything. So let's go ahead and get started with uh, Kevin, who wants to know hey, guys, do you think the copious transfers nowadays have made recruiting less important? What do you think, Chase?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think that it's still just as important, but I think it makes coaches' lives more difficult. Um, <laughs> yes, I, know, I think that
0: is, that is undisputable. Yes, that is yeah,
1: undisputable. It is something that I know you wrote about in great detail is just how stretched thin a lot of these recruiting staffs and coaching staffs are during football season and even outside of football season yeah um so i think on its face uh, recruiting is not any less important to ohio state or any other program across the country there is just more time spent in other areas Mm -hmm. even though that remains constant Um, So I think that, yes, the transfer portal is this wild, wild west thing, but I just think it's another responsibility added to a coaching staff and recruiting staff's plate, making their lives more difficult, not necessarily saying that they're spending less time on recruiting, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's made recruiting less important. I just think it's made transfers and NIL and all that stuff more important. And so now you have two things that are also very important. And all you've done is just increase the workload. I mean, (laughs) that's that's really what has happened. Um, And it's, it's tough because, you know, staffs, they are not built to accommodate this. Like these, these football, like they can, and and you know, it's something that they're obviously working on. Um, but as I wrote, you know, this is something that's going to require, I think, a different kind of effort from um, college athletic departments and things like that. It, it can't, they can't continue doing what they're doing because they simply don't have the time or personnel for it. And it's, right. you know, and again, I I generally support NIL. I think NIL is a good idea. I think it just needs to be. I think everyone involved kind of needs to get a handle on it and also come to a consensus, uh, both from the players' you know standpoint and also from the coaches, athletic departments, all that. I, I really do think that some consensus needs to happen so that everybody can kind of handle this in a sane way. Mm-hmm. And Because ultimately, what's not sustainable about it is not like the money being thrown around and all that. I think what's not sustainable is um, the current setup of how it's being like – monitored and handled and things like yeah. that and there's just got to be more there's got to be a bigger apparatus involved um to make this thing work because right now it's like you know it's it's the old tale of finding something new or cool and then keeping the same personnel and, and telling them hey you can handle this extra job too you know like asking people to take on more when they already have a really laborious and, and difficult job is, is not not always the smartest thing to do so um again I think, you is a good, good idea. It's a cool thing. Uh, we just have to kind of get a more of a handle on it than we have right now. Um, and asking coaches and, you know, the football staffs and all all those things to kind of like take on all of that. I just don't think is sustainable or fair. Uh, this next one here is from a good friend, Alvin, who wants to know what was your favorite sneaker when you were a kid?
1: Wow. That's a great question too.
0: Yeah. Compliments
1: to everybody that asks questions, because I often feel like in the times that I've been on the podcast, that they're not questions that I can just answer right away. Like this, (laughs) everything I'm I'm saying, (laughs) everything that I'm saying right now is buying myself time to really limit down the
0: options. (laughs) Well, I did. I'll tell you what, I can let you wait a second because I did have a favorite sneaker when I was a kid. You knew right off the bat. You're saying oh, absolutely right, right away. Okay. Well, and again, I grew up in the nineties and there was sure. a lot of excellent choices as a, you know, as in, you know, late eighties, early nineties, mid nineties kid. If you were big into sneakers, there were a lot of options. I mean, the yeah. Jordans are obviously coming out, although I yeah. wasn't nearly cool enough for Jordans. Um, but there are a lot of really in retrospect, kind of hilarious options. I think I've talked about soap shoes. <laughs> on this (laughs) like you know what soap shoes are chase uh i don't they were shoes by the way this is not my answer but there were shoes that had these plastic um like i don't want to like grooves or hooves built into the sole for grinding on like you know rails and things like that so instead of using a skateboard you use your soap shoes to like grind on the sidewalk and on the rails and stuff like that yeah like handrails and things uh my real answer would be i really loved um air walks like basically any skater shoe i was a big skater shoe kid i was not a skater yeah. because i was afraid of falling down and getting hurt but i loved the shoes because i thought they were super comfortable so the air walks the sketchers i was all into that um when I was a little bit younger, I was big into LA gear, which you know, the light up shoes that come with the <laughs> came with the tag that was like a like a California license plate that said LA gear. Like, oh my God. Yeah. So badass. And then of course the the pump shoes, right? Where you like squeeze the the tongue of the shoe and it like pumps up your shoe. Oh my God. Any brand that had yeah. that was instantly like a playground winner. So la gear airwalk sketchers that's what i was all about i
1: did not have the exact shoes but i had a chuck taylor version of the benny the jet pf flyer that's sick. what i would go with um, that's fantastic. it didn't I'll have the you know the green stripe that was on the back or the white and green pf flyers logo but it was uh the all black converse chuck taylor shoes that i didn't get until a little bit later so i wasn't exactly a kid but i was you know middle school age i loved wearing those i, I loved having those around and i think people you know if they saw those shoes they knew the movie right it's one of those yeah, of things course, it's a symbol. Um, so i loved them
0: excellent choice um so this last one here this is from joshua f who says what is a song or songs that Uh, when you hear them, instantly recall to mind a specific movie or soundtrack. And as an example, he says, uh, an obvious one would be All-Star by Smash Mouth Mm -hmm. um, and Shrek. But the one that made me think of the question was, It's the End of the World and We Know It by R.E.M. and the movie Chicken Little. uh i got a feeling joshua f is like maybe a child of the of the uh, mid-2000s and not necessarily yeah. mine, like myself but i you know what that's okay i appreciate that that's fantastic yeah um i would go with uh
1: ain't no mountain high enough for remember the titans
0: oh okay i was gonna okay i think that's that's excellent by the way is is that um where does that sit in the pantheon of your uh you know all-time favorite sports movies it's it, when it comes to sports movies Up there for sure. One of the best. Um, I wouldn't
1: say it's like in my top five, top 10 best movies I've ever seen. Sure. But when it comes to sports movies, that's one that I will, like, even if it's on TV, I'll like watch through the commercials. You ever do that like i don't know we, we're in oh such yeah a streaming dominant world now i just have youtube tv but like yeah there
0: are some movies where you just it doesn't matter what they are you're gonna sit you're gonna watch it old school because you just right. are so enraptured by what it is no matter you know what you have to sit through
1: it, there's another option too to like watch it on netflix or disney plus or hulu like i could go right
0: there can, why would you why right. would you bother pressing three buttons and watching? It exactly I would i'm rather, gonna watch <laughs> i'm gonna watch the godfather and it's gonna take me five Five hours damn it and i don't care if i can watch it in any other more convenient way i'm gonna I watch matter.
1: commercials
0: that's right yes that's saying. Saying. It's one of those on movies for me. from saturday from three o'clock in the afternoon to eight o'clock at night and that, <laughs> that's how i prefer to watch the godfather um but yeah i do yeah absolutely i know what you're talking about i've probably seen men in black like 500 times and It's not even <laughs> like one of my favorite movies but i just get sucked in because you know i know i know all the story beats and i know exactly what's coming up i'm like well i gotta walk i gotta sit through this because i i know that you know like agent k or j or whatever is gonna have to you know help deliver that little cute little alien baby and then he's gonna get spit up on i'm gonna laugh and I, just, <laughs> I gotta watch it so um you know what i i was thinking about this question this is a really good question um I, it's kind of a darker example, but maybe Ride of the Valkyries from Apocalypse Now. <laughs> like every time I hear that, I think of you know, those helicopters like flying over the horizon, like, dun, 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 and it, it, it's weird because you get some of these uh, moments, some of these movie moments that they become super cliched, but it's because yeah. they make such an impact in your brain. And when you hear it, you're just like, you instantly think of that like every single time. Um, I will say though that the it's not so much like pop music that sticks in my brain. It's it, it's the movie soundtrack, where like a key bit of music, is something that I think about about a lot. So like from Star Wars, for example, right? You know when the you know the Empire theme, you know, mm-hmm. Darth Vader coming in or. Um, I don't know. Like we just talked about the Godfather, but obviously, like the theme from the Godfather. I mean, that's it's just one of those things that kind of just sticks in your memory. And then when something similar is happening in real life, that's what pops in my head. So it's not necessarily like the pop music selection that gets me. It's like I don't know. It's maybe the uh, it's maybe the soundtrack. However, we'll say from Guardians of the Galaxy though. I think one of those, one of those uh, superhero movies that I think made a huge impact in pop culture because it was a little weird. It was a little different. Yeah. And so they, they did a lot of those Motown hits um, that came out. And I think, you know, ain't no mountain high that that's played in that song as well, or in that movie as well. Um, yeah, I would say that I would say like some of the, the, the songs from guardians of the galaxy, uh, the first movie um that, That's the one that I think of sometimes when some of those are played. So that's an excellent question. They're all excellent questions. Thank you so much for sending those in uh, to ask us anything. That's again, dubcast at 11warriors.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Let's get out of here on this. What, what, what the hell's going on in Ann Arbor? What are we doing? What's going on there? (laughs) We've got, we've got dudes. First of all, we've got dudes, uh, apparently not getting charged with felony weapons charges, um until like the very end of the season and then they're allowed to just kind of play it out and and nobody cares that's one thing uh jim harbaugh is buying people hamburgers um guys are getting fired for unspecified computer crimes i guess i don't know i don't know know exactly what's going on what what the hell what what is your what is your take on all of this because there's a lot going on it's very weird yeah um Oh, and Jim Harbaugh apparently like tried to show up like with his uh, bank routing number to Denver and they're like, no, you actually have to interview. And they said, (laughs) Oh, so I don't, I mean, I don't know. This this seems, this seems like kind of a mess. It seems like their, their entire athletic department has really just gone nuts.
1: Yeah. Um, Is it bad for me to say, I kind of just don't care. (laughs) Like it's, it's not that i i guess i shouldn't say that much i just know that nothing's really going to happen from this, right right. because the ncaa is a shell of its former self and has no authority anymore Um, i saw somebody i can't remember who it was just reading some twitter thread talking about things that have happened since the start of the nil era that the NCAA has sanctioned teams for and then like what actually happened from those sanctions and they were almost never followed through upon. Yeah. Um, I also saw Joel Klatt, Fox color analyst, he was talking about, you know, the NCAA files these sanctions or these violations, not sanctions yet, or maybe not sanctions ever for Harbaugh, you know, the level one, the level two stuff. You know, they they issue these violations for harbaugh but then they don't do anything about florida guaranteeing uh rashada's 13 million dollars for his nil deal and then he shows up and the money's not there you know it's just like (laughs) why are they picking and choosing what they're going to go after yeah what if florida just I don't know what the agreement was there, but they're offering a quarterback $13 million. He expects to show up and have the money and they don't have it. So he gets out of his agreement. It's like, you know, they're picking and choosing what they're going after. And then Michigan's just going to take this like a slap on the wrist. Well, I, I just always look back. And I feel bad for like Jim Trestle or, like a beloved Ohio state coach that we always are going to have the conversation of what the NCAA came in and he did. He did cover it up, right? Is that sort of the thing of like he did actually Yeah, he lied
0: to the NCAA. Right. He about he lied. something incredibly stupid to have to lie about, but yes, yes, he did, he did ultimately lie to the NCAA.
1: He did that. The actions that were then taken forth from that point were justified, right? But now we're in the year 2022, over 10 years later, and similar violations. Different things are happening left and right around the NCAA, and these violations, these sanctions, whatever they come in, and it doesn't mean anything. And I just I feel bad for somebody like him or any other coach that was put in the grave for anything that they did wrong. Now knowing that you can pretty much just get away with anything, yeah, it's it wild. almost
0: feels like that was kind of the last gasp for the NCAA in terms of actually going after marginal violations that they had some authority to, you know, police, I guess. Yeah. Um yeah. because, you know, shortly after that you had stuff like Penn State. And obviously that's that's a whole other level of criminality and, and awfulness and things like that. But mm-hmm. in terms of like violating the NCAA's, you know, house rules, you know, petty house rules, that seemed like something the last time the NCAA actually had the teeth to try to enforce them, because if you think about it, you know, shortly after that, Miami, for example, had a whole big thing with you know a booster and and impropriety, and the NCAA was like, oh, we're going to come down on them real hard, and then it turned out they actually didn't. Um, you know, North Carolina having all these issues with basically fake classes and whatnot, we were like, well, that's in the past. That's essentially like a program killer. Obviously, wasn't right. Um, there's a lot it's interesting. And I guess maybe somebody a little smarter than me or with a better memory can maybe trace the path of NCAA uh, police power, but it really culminates in a, you know, I don't think culminates, but at this point, we've got a Michigan athletic department. That's just all over the place doing some really questionable things. And again, I don't care if Jim Harbaugh lied to the NCAA about a hamburger. Um, <laughs> I, I would hope that he would, frankly. I mean, if he hadn't, then then Michigan fans would have a reason to be upset. Um, but in general, I think you're on to something when you say that, uh, you know, this is just kind of proof positive that nobody really cares what the NCAA thinks, and it's it's up to these universities to kind of police themselves. Right. I do think – here's the last thing I'll say about this before we get out of here. I find it very odd that Michigan, in an investigation of a co-offensive coordinator, pretty high-ranking dude in your football program um, – I forget exactly how they phrased, you know, the, the computer improprieties, the crime, whatever it is. Yeah. It involved the campus police. Right. So that seems fairly significant. Um, And then they're basically saying like, he's been dismissed and we're not going to answer any more questions about it. You're a public institution. Right. (laughs) I don't know that you can really get away with that. I don't feel like that's on the up and up. And if I were, michigan fans or maybe just people who are concerned with transparency of michigan schools i don't think i would take that for an answer i think that yeah. is not enough uh on the part of the mission Mich- of michigan universities or the university of michigan so i don't that's the part of the story that i think bothers me the most is that michigan's kind of like we're not going to talk about it and that's the end of the story Um, It may be nothing. It may be something completely stupid and benign. Maybe, I don't know, maybe this dude goes into Harbaugh's email and checks out what he's doing with the NFL and that's the the limit of it. And who cares? But you got to talk about it. Like this is a public institution. These are public employees. The public has the right to know why someone you know making a lot of money at a public school was terminated. Um, And I, I don't think they're as forthright as they need to be right now. So it's interesting to see how that'll play out. Um, the Mazie Smith, I mean, come on, like I don't—that's <laughs> a whole other level of, uh, I don't know, of shadiness that I don't yeah. particularly enjoy. But I think that's that's a different, um, that's a different type of investigation and that's a different type of accountability that needs to be looked at. But it, for this immediate thing, um, I'm curious to see how it plays out, if it plays out. But we'll see. Regardless, thank you so much, Chase, for being here this week. Always enjoy talking with you. Um, right now, we'll give you an update, which I guess this is kind of moot because, you know, by the time this published, <laughs> everyone will know what happened. You're going to know the score. That's right. But Ohio State clawing back a little bit. They're down by 6 got about seven minutes left. Right, if they can pull it out, I'll be extremely happy. But again, if not, still having a great season. Glad we got to talk about it. Glad you got to listen. Uh, and we'll be back here next week to break everything down. So until then, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chase. And we'll see you next time.